I mean, think about your first kid. You're super nervous about everything. You have your second kid, and you're like, yeah, yeah don't right. do whatever. Throw them in the pile. You know? And same <laughs> thing with your business. Once you start your business, and you start, you're going to make some mistakes, sure. right? We're all going to make these mistakes. But once you do it a couple times, you're like, oh, now this is this is easy. But the, the real key, though, for people is you've got to actually take those mistakes and learn from them and i think that's where a lot of people get stuck right they just keep on they think oh head down grind they heard that on some podcast some sure. some genius told them grind hard yeah which yeah you're gonna have to work your butt off right sure, sure. so i'm not telling you not to but work smarter right i always figure out how to, how can i make that just a little bit better every single day What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. We are here live in Park City for the 10th annual Winter Mastermind and Adventure, and it's been it's been epic, like every event. We've got a guest of the event here today. He is an investor, the CEO of Venture D Properties, and host of the Pillars of Wealth Creation podcast, Todd Dexheimer. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a blast so far. This is an amazing... This is an amazing group of human beings. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Well, I, you mean me, and I appreciate that. Yeah. You are an amazing group. human being. Right. Group of group, humans, yeah. Right. You saw some moose today. I did. Yeah. I was, uh, I thought, you know, get a couple laps <laughs> on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. And I was coming back, and yeah, two moose are like laying right underneath the chairlift. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty it is amazing. interesting. I, I was telling him, I was telling you, we had the, uh, we saw a dead moose on the side of the road, which is the size of a, size of a Mack truck. Yeah. It was absolutely immense, but it's just a beautiful, have you ever been here? I haven't. I have never been to Utah. Been to the mountains a lot, but yeah. never been to Utah. This yeah. is, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Big takeaway from the event so far? Oh man. Um, I'm, there's, there's been, there's been a lot. I mean, it, I, I think the, the big takeaway for me is just the, just the in-person networking, just being able to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that are doing amazing things. Yeah. Um, hearing their side of what, they're doing in their business, uh, how they're being successful, the struggles that they're going through that, wow, I'm actually, like, that's kind of the same thing yeah. on my side. So it's just been, uh, I think, really cool to talk to a lot of other entrepreneurs that are going through a lot of the same thing that you're going through at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the key to me to go abundance is the the avatar, right? It's millionaire entrepreneurial men all trying to live their best yeah. life, and on the women's side, just replace that with women. And uh, yeah, to your point, it, it's nothing magical, but when you get around all these folks, it just things open up, conversations go, you go deep really quick. You know, it's it's hard not to relate to these guys, right? So. It, and the the amount of vulnerability, yeah, uh, you just don't like. I don't talk to dudes like <laughs> that very often, right? But then yeah. like you get this like. I don't know, these conversations that kind of come up and people are asking you questions, you're like, oh, yeah. all right, I guess I'll open up a little bit. Like, yeah. I usually don't, but um, man, it's just, it's just cool. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun to be able to talk to people that are going through the same type of thing. And, you know, because I think most of us, when we're at home, we don't have a ton of entrepreneurs around us. Right. It's mostly W-2s. You know, my family's mostly W-2s. You know, a lot of the people I talk to are W-2s. So when you get around a group of mostly entrepreneurs... It's just a lot of different conversations. Opens things up. You being an entrepreneur yourself, I read your bio. You've done a lot of things, a lot of different. Done a couple things. things. So let's go back and start from the beginning. So yeah. give us, uh, give a background of you, where you're from, and kind of take us up through your entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm from uh, the Twin Cities, Minnesota, um, and I start. I was a school teacher, making thirty grand a year. Literally, I, I the year I quit, I think I was making thirty-two thousand um, dollars. But I knew. I knew like right away into teaching that it wasn't for me. I think 
I think it was like five days in. Why? Like, what, what was it about it? It's just, I've always, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. Like growing up, my, my, my dad worked for a manufacturing company and we would make these custom shipping crates at home and sell them to his company. Mm. And like, you know, I was always mowing lawns in the neighborhood and just doing stuff like that. And then getting into teaching, it's like this super structured, like you've got to do this, you're on this set schedule, the bell rings and this happens. And it's just like, like it's like five days in and I tell I get home and I tell my wife, I'm like, I got to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. Isn't that crazy? And I didn't know what I was going to do. I, 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 at one time I was like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to, I'm going to become an architect, right? I, I, I love doing that. I was a tech teacher. So I was teaching like wood shop and metals. And so I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do that. And then I start reading these books and. I'm reading just different entrepreneurial books, uh, stuff by, I don't know, Robert Allen, and listen to Carlton Sheets and sure. just stuff like that. And I'm like, this, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. I think the biggest book that actually like made me go, whoa, I want to do that, like the real estate at least, was uh, I read a book by Ken McElroy. Mm. It's called The ABCs of Real Estate Investing. Um, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and I was like, dude, this is amazing. I could I could actually do this, yeah. and constru like I, I did remodeling construction growing up in the summers, and so like it just made sense. I was like, this is this this works. Yeah. So what was the so real quick going back to teaching? What brought you to being a teacher? Like why did you pursue that path? Yeah, um, you know I I really liked like you said I was a tech teacher, so I really liked working with my hands, and I really enjoyed like working with people, and I thought that would be a super honorable job mm. and it would give me a lot of I don't know it just it, it just provide um, just a lot of uh, fulfillment fulfillment or, yeah sure. probably fulfillment for me and and, um, and it really didn't yeah it really didn't yeah. and it does for a lot of teachers so I'm not saying like no 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 but it's not even just teachers I mean I you know I share my story a lot on the podcast of being you know a corporate exec and a big long career, great money, all of that, but yeah. it just it was it was hollow in me. It just wasn't there for me, and that's kind of what you sound. It sounded like you figured that out very early on, which is great for you. Yeah, and that's that's what it was. And you know, it's funny because like I go on a podcast like this, and that I feel the fulfillment. Right, yeah. I go on a podcast, I speak up on stage, I um, you know mentor people, I meet people at at places, and I, like that to me, like wow. Uh, that's a lot more fulfillment than I ever did, had when I was teaching. I think part of it was because the kids are forced to be there, mm. right? You're, you and I aren't forced to have a conversation together, right? Right. I, I'm not. Nobody's forcing me to be on their podcast, and I'm not forcing anybody to come onto my podcast. Right. And so it's we're just here to give whatever value we can give. Hopefully, yeah. we give something that one person takes away, right? 100%. 100%. Agreed. Yeah, the impact is as simple as that. One yeah. person takes that's that's enough for me. Uh, teaching, you you mentioned the um, the structure of school, the bell rings, sit down, yeah. stand up, all of that stuff. You have kids. Yeah. How do you educate your kids? Are they going through traditional school or, or yeah, kind of give me your, your your take on that having been in that even if for a short time, <laughs> short, for a short time as a teacher. Yeah, um so up until the pandemic, they were doing traditional school, public school. Um, then my wife last year homeschooled both of our kids. Yeah. And my son didn't it didn't work out so well with give us ages. Him. He's eight. Eight. Got and it. my daughter's twelve. And it. it worked well with my daughter. Um, she's you know she can yeah she struggle sometimes, but she's mostly motivated and, and driven to get her 
schoolwork done. My son, though, um, ADHD, dyslexia, you know, just struggled. And so now we put him back into a private school um, that can cater a little bit more to what his needs are. And, you know, so far, so good. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we're looking for, you know, with the dyslexia, it's tough, right, for him. So we're just trying to find the, the right little fit for him. But this seems like a, at least a good step and, and sure. maybe even the right step. So. Is the plan with your daughter to continue homeschooling or will she go to high school at some point? I think she'll probably go to high school. Yeah. Yeah. So she's getting, you know, an eighth grade next year. Uh, we're undecided exactly. But uh, I think probably high school will we'll either send her back or I don't know. Makes sense. No. To be determined, I guess. TBD. I yeah. got it. Uh, so ABCs of real estate investing, you're in this teaching role. You're thinking, okay, I get it now. What happens next? Yeah. Um, a lot of studying, man. A lot of reading books. Uh, podcasts weren't a thing. At sure. least I didn't. I don't think they were uh, back then. That was 2000. I started kind of getting that itch and reading books probably late 2006, um, early 2007. Mm -hmm. And my first property that I bought was middle of 2008. So wow. I was reading, I was studying, I was trying to figure out what the heck to do, figuring out how can I get more money in the bank account to be able to buy properties. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, mid 2008, I bought three properties all within, I don't know, couple weeks of each other. So you're a teacher making 32 grand a year. Yeah, but my wife was working too. She okay. was doing, you know, okay. I think she was making maybe 45 or 50. Okay, still not, I mean, decent income, but nice. Right. 15 years ago or so, but not significant. You right. said you were trying to pack money into the bank, and then you bought three properties. So yeah. there's there's the timing of it I'm interested in in a moment. 2008 is a year that always triggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about right, that. Right. But tell me how you acquired these properties. Did you Was it with no money down strategies, or, or yeah. what did you do? So um, I don't remember the exact sequence of the properties, right? So sure. I don't remember which one I bought first, second, third. But the, the one property my wife and I bought to live in, to flip, as we lived in it. Yep. And uh, that property we bought with a FHA 203K or something like that. It was a, it's yeah. a rehab type loan. Yeah. Had to put like four grand, five grand down. I can't remember, but you know, pretty small amount. Sure. So we had that money, put that down, renovated that house. The second house was a rental. Um, bought it for $65,000. The market had already crashed. Yeah. Well, it was still crashing, actually. Right. It was in the process. Yeah, but, sure, sure. <laughs> well, we bought that for $65,000. That we used pretty much the rest of our money for the down payment, for the construction. We used basically everything we had left. Bless my my wife. I don't yeah. know why she allowed me to do it, sure. <laughs> but, but she did. And, and uh, you know, I think she made a good choice. Um, then the third property was a property we flipped. And I actually partnered with a guy to uh, flip it. I thought he had the money. Turns out uh, he actually brought up another person in that had the money. Gotcha. So um, that other guy lent, lent us the money, and we took that property down and flipped it. That flip was a flop. We made, I think, $2,000. And, Jamie, I, like, I was there every day pounding yeah. and doing the work and tiling and, like, everything. Right. And so I made, like, maybe a dollar fifty an hour. I don't know. Still, <laughs> still, still teaching. Still teaching. Still teaching yeah. at this point. This, and this was in the summer, yeah. right? So summer into the 
early part of the fall. So, so. and you, did you did you uh, buy these like okay wow the prices way, went way down I'm going to buy you know at or near the bottom at yeah. this point or were, were you kind of going into the first one sort of gleefully unaware of what was going on in the market around you? Uh, no, I I was aware of what had happened in the market and. When I'm looking at the numbers, like $65,000, I can buy this house. I did all the work myself. I, well, I, you know, my, my wife came and helped. Uh, my parents I, came and helped. Um, sure. I had a couple friends come and help. But, but it, we did it all ourselves. And so we were all in for, I don't know, 80 grand or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, just the math worked, right? We're, we're renting it for 1450 Wow. And it, we bought it for 85 Wow. All in. Wow, wow, wow. So those numbers worked out. I didn't, people told me, I, actually the, the guy, so the property I bought, the ne- the guy next door bought another, the foreclosure next door to me. Yeah. And I was there one day fixing it up and he asks me what I'm doing and I tell him and I was like telling him kind of what I was planning on. He's like, you're stupid. That's, that's the worst idea ever. You're, like he's like, this market's just going to crush you if you keep doing that. I'm like, I don't know. It, it seems like a pretty good deal to right, me. Right, like, right. I just bought this thing for like $65,000. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just kind of those, I, I, you can't listen to people sometimes. No, 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 no. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah everybody will, will warn you off of everything oh, yeah. and you'll make no progress. Yeah. So, um, Okay, so how, what was the, well, I want to ask you this. How did you get, you mentioned about like your wife let you do it, right? So you've got this vision, you've got this idea and all yeah. of that stuff. Go back to that for a moment. What was, how did you enroll, let's say, your wife in your vision? Uh, boy, man, that's a long time ago. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't remember all the details. Sure. I, you know, just having those conversations with her, and I think it was just continually pushing it and telling her what I want to do and continually um, bringing it in front of her and showing her the numbers. Um, and, you know, I mean, bless her. She, she believes in me yeah. and, um, she allowed me to do it without really putting up a fight. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, it wasn't like we were like sitting there arguing about it. And it's just, she's just like, you know what? I believe in you and do it. Yeah, makes so, sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, so take me forward now. So you've done these three properties. Yeah. What was the point at which, and what did you continue doing to where you could actually quit the teaching job? Well, the amazing thing about making $30,000 a year <laughs> is it doesn't take very much money to quit your job. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, I, I uh, kept on buying a bunch of rental properties. So um, I refinanced the uh, the rental property. Yep. I actually met a guy who was like, hey, we, you got equity there. You can refinance. And by the way, this is 2008. So the the market's crashing, right? There's no lenders out there. And that's what I thought too. I thought there's no, I got to build up more equity or build up more money and then eventually buy my next one, maybe, I don't know, a year from now, right? right? But I met this guy at a meetup. He's like, no, we'll do it right now. So we refinanced that. I was able to pull some money out and then buy the next one. Mm. And he set me up with a, with a kind of a lending program that he had put together where then we could we could buy the next one like right after and just continue to roll. So I ended up buying, maxing out my own personal name, which was four houses, partnered with a couple of buddies who actually put loans in their name and, and I just did all the work and, and wow. we split the profits. And, um, and then I ran out of options. Mm. So I started flipping houses again. Um, I stopped, by the way, the, I skipped over that house in 2008 that I flipped. That was a flop. I was like, uh, never again right. am I flipping. Flipping sucks, right? Right, right? Never again. 
And then I'm like, well, now I got no other options. This is 2009. Sure. You sure. know, and I'm yeah. like, I, gotta, I guess I'm going to flip again. Yeah. So I started flipping properties again, and um, I would buy, you know, three maybe properties, flip them, and then buy a rental. And you're doing three all properties. the work on these. Um, when I started flipping again, no. Mm. I realized I got to start hiring people out. I, I had my... my I had my daughter, you know, she's a baby. I'm hauling around in the car looking for looking at foreclosures and yeah. Yeah, it was just crazy. Um, so yeah, I'm like, you know what, I I gotta start hiring people. So I start hiring contractors and I was still doing a lot of the work. I was talk about not implementing good systems and not being you know, just I think a lot of people do this. They wanna grind, they wanna like learn on their own type of thing and that's okay to to an extent yeah but we also have to realize like we can't just be grinding all the time sure like you you got to be smart about what you're doing so I'll tell you a little story so this is a couple of years in maybe 2010 and i've got contractors now working on these properties right mm-hmm. well i'm the delivery guy so i'd go through the property and i'd make a whole list of stuff we need and i didn't want to pay for them to go to home depot so I would run to Home Depot, mm. and I would go grab all this stuff. And I got a Nissan Altima, you know, car. Yeah, sure. So this one day, I, I'm at the store. I grab all this stuff. I throw it in my vehicle, and I got, like, concrete bags in there. I got two-by-fours. I load it up. And I'm driving down the road, and I hit a railroad track bed. And I hit that railroad track bed, oh. and my car just goes boom. Oh, man. And the whole back end, boom. And I'm dragging down the street, and I'm like, what do I do? do?" And luckily, I see a service station, like, just right there. So I'm into the service station (laughs) and, you know, hang my head, tell them what it is. Like, $4,000 later, I get my car, and, like, many, you know, days later, I get my car back, and I'm like, no more. So I go into Home Depot, and I tell them what my problem is, and, and the guy's like, well, we'll just deliver it free for free. Like, really? Oh, man. He's like, yeah, and by the way, we'll go to your house, and we'll inventory everything, too. Like, really? Hmm. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So, this sounds great. You know, so, it's like, what kind like, put some systems in place. How sure. stupid was I to be running around to these freaking houses? Sure, sure. I mean, with my Nissan Altima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey. You live and you learn, though, right? Living you have to learn. go through that stuff. Yeah. I, I talk to a lot of newer investors, like, oh, you know, uh, first deal, what do I do? And I always say, it's like having kids, man. You can't really know yeah. what's, what it is to have yeah. a kid until you have a kid. Yeah. And well, you can't yeah, really dude. know what it is to have a, an investment property until you have, you know, the sewer line's going to break. Yeah. Um, you know, a tenant's going to destroy. Like, that stuff's going to happen at some point. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. have to deal with it. But until you have the property, you can read every book you want. You can listen to every podcast you want. They're, they're 100%. But you have to be involved in it. Would you agree? Oh, dude, 100%. It relates to the kid, like you said. I mean, think about your first kid. You're super nervous about everything you have. Your second kid, and you're like, yeah, yeah go right. do whatever. Throw them in the pile. You know? And same <laughs> thing with, the, with, with your business. Once you start your business and you start, you're going to make some mistakes, sure. right? We're all going to make these mistakes. But once you do it a couple times, you're like, oh, now this is, this is easy. But the, the real key, though, for people is you've got to actually take those mistakes and learn from them. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck, right? They just keep on grind. They think, oh, head down, grind. They heard that on some podcast. Some, sure. some genius told them grind hard, yeah. which, yeah, you're going to have to work your butt off, right? Sure, sure. So I'm not telling you not to, but work smarter, right? I always figure out how, to, how can I make that just a little bit better every single day. Yeah.
Are there any key systems right now that you have in place? I know you're at scale now. You've got, you know, we'll talk about where you are today, what these systems have unlocked, and the ability for you to invest in multiple different assets and scale it uh, at, the, at the size that you are. But are there any specific systems? It could be, you know, electronic uh, uh, systems or, or, or little hacks that you have. Are there any, any specific systems that you feel are, maybe it's people systems of some sort, I don't know, but are there any specific things that you feel are uh, integral to you being able to scale a real estate business? Well, that's a, that's a, I mean, for, uh, I can only speak to my business, right? Yeah, Cause everybody's yeah. got different businesses. And by the way, there's, I'm probably going to say some stuff and some of these people are going to be listening and go, oh, there's something better than that. Sure, right. Sure. So there's always something better. And we're trying to always create better systems. And I'll, that's, so I'll preface this with that. You always, we have systems, but we're always looking how can we improve it mm-hmm. and not complicated. That, that's a challenge, right? Cause sure. there's so many things out there, as you know. And it's like, it's so easy to go, oh, that's, that's a really cool program. I'm going to bring that into my system. And you're going, oh, that just complicated everything. So, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of anything specific. I mean, um, just like for our investors, for instance, I used to keep Excel spreadsheets and, you know, so now we, we, uh, utilize MailChimp, which actually were my, um, my investor relations, uh, managers switching that over. So I, think we're, I can't remember what uh, she's bringing us to but yeah, active campaign something like maybe that. active yeah. campaign sure. yeah I think so anyway she's she's in the process of kind of onboarding everything into this new program mm-hmm. which hopefully will align better and allow us to track better because yeah, sure. it's super important for us to be able to track who the investor is where they live um, we really want to try to get to know our investors better. Mm-hmm. So one of the bigger things I want to know is like, what do they do for a living? What do they do for fun? Sure. So if I'm like in Park City skiing and somebody lives somewhere close, I can go, hey, I'm going to be in Park City skiing. You want to join me for a day? Sure. But if they don't ski, well, maybe we'll just hang out and have a cup of coffee, right? Right, right. So makes just, sense. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. better customer relations. You're better customer relations, yeah. So today, give us an idea of what your business looks like today. What are you focused on? What are you doing? And then we'll dive into the podcast for a little bit. Yeah, so I've got, I guess, more than two, but I've, I've got two main focuses uh, right now, the, two main businesses right now. And my main focus, by the way, is investor relations, uh, growing the capital that, that's we bring into our uh, business and construction management. I, I have a, you know, th- through my flipping days, I flipped like 150 houses wow. through the years. Yeah, so sure. through my flipping days and just teaching days and, and all that, you know, I got my contractor's license. So I, I'm, I'm fairly good at construction management. Yeah. So, so I do that. I do the investor part portion for both businesses. But so we've got two businesses. And uh, so I've got a multifamily business. And then I and we purchase we're purchasing you know two hundred unit type buildings sure uh, mostly in the syndicating these syndicating them gotcha. yeah yep. and, and actually both businesses I syndicate got it and um, so we're we're mostly in like Tennessee Kentucky that kind of area yeah then my other business is senior housing mm-hmm. and we're focused on assisted living and memory care. And those are in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Now, are these um, ground-up development, or do no, you acquire them? No. What does that look like? Or do you so, convert some, some yeah, properties to this? We, right now, the only thing we've been doing is buying existing. Okay. And the reason being is that I, can, I could build a property, and I'd be building at, let's call it, 250 a bed. Mm-hmm. 
or I can buy a property and I can buy it at 75 a bed. No, that make, the numbers make sense then. So the numbers work <laughs> out better. What yeah. is the, in that market, assisted living, I feel yeah. like, how are you finding the motivated sellers in that market? I feel like that's- They're uh, super that's, motivated. Right? They are. Oh, they cool. are. So here's what happened. And, and this is important for people to understand because a, a lot of people think that, oh, senior housing is a great market because the baby boomers are just, they're, they're coming into the market. No, they're not. Baby boomers are- 75 years old. That's yeah. the oldest of the baby boomers. And then it goes down from there. Sure. We've got this little generation right now that is in senior housing and it's a very small population mm. in comparison to the generation before them and the after one, them. The one coming. The right. one coming. Yeah. So we've got a we've got a tsunami coming. Sure, right? sure. Silver tsunami, right? Yeah, That's yeah. coming, but it's not here yet. And I think people get exuberant about it and go, oh, I'm going to buy senior housing because the baby boomers are here. No, no, no. Slow down. Mm. Slow down. The average age of our incoming resident is 82 years old. Mm. And the so oldest we, of the baby boomers is seven years behind that. The right? oldest. The right. oldest. Yeah. And so we've got a couple, right, that'll sprinkle in. They're not, they, they, you know, weren't healthy or they develop Alzheimer's sure, or, or sure. whatever. But that's not what we have. So, so that's number one. And then number two is COVID. Mm. And it's not that all of our residents were dying from COVID. That happened, right? Some of them did. Of course. But what more importantly that happened in the industry is just that, you know, am I going to move grandma into this assisted living and chance that she gets COVID and dies? Right. Uh, let's just, maybe we can figure out how we can take care of her right now for the time being until this kind of COVID thing goes away. Yeah. Right, and so we're seeing an increase in occupancy right now, but it's still definitely down. Uh, but this lower. is enough to scare sellers. It sounds like these, so these factors are these mom and pop operated typically. I mean, so that's the other beautiful thing. See, assisted living, uh, senior housing is very mom and pop, mm -hmm. and and so I feel like we have an opportunity to come in, create systems. We bought a two hundred and forty four bed portfolio. Yeah. Okay. We bought that December 15th of 2021. Yeah. The nurses and the staff on site had the um, carbon copy paper, and that's how they're recording everything. Wow. MedCart, all that kind of stuff. Wow. No, com no computers. Yeah. We, when we purchased the property, we bought computers for every single property. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. New software. Yeah. Showed them how to use it. Trained them on that. They'd never been trained in a lot of the actual thing that they should be trained in. Interesting. So now we've implemented new training. We've got leadership training for our, our, all our leadership staff. Simple stuff like that yeah. to create just a better environment for everybody. And it just makes it makes a huge difference. Amazing. That's interesting. Okay. So focused on assisted living, focused on, on, on syndicating multifamily as yeah. well. What's next for you? I, I mean, I would say it's, it's uh, just continue to grow both of those businesses. Our, our, my goal in 2022, uh, I want to grow from 350 beds of assisted living, bring that to 1,000 beds of assisted living by the end of 2022. Of course, we want to strategically grow, right? If opportunities aren't there, if it doesn't make sense, we're not going to grow, yeah. right? Uh, same thing with multifamily. We want to purchase about $100 million of multifamily in 2022. But again, if the deals don't make sense, yeah. I'm not going to... We don't have to grow, right? So that that's a nice thing. We don't have to grow. We're not forcing ourselves to grow, but we want to grow. Yeah. And so it's just continue to grow. Um, 
And uh, the other, I think my biggest like theme for 2022, uh, and I, I love the, the, the Go Abundance one sheet, and I ask you for your theme of the year. My biggest theme uh, is contribution. One of the big things I'm focusing on is just how do I show up for other people, for other groups better? Um, how do I contribute more of my resources? You know, I'm blessed. We're all blessed. How do we give our blessings to other people? Sure. And why so why really 2022 focused. for that? I'm curious. Like, what, what do you think that, why not 2021 or 2020 or 2018? Why now? Contribution. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, just a paradigm shift, right? So it's just like, I've been so head down, focused on building my business, which has been great, right? Yeah. But I just, I, I think I've, I've been doing a lot of, of um, just reading and, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a you know, Christian faith, you know, so been doing a lot of reading and searching and just kind of like, you know what, why wait, Yeah. right? I can wait until I've got 100 million, 200 million, 500 million in net worth, but why? What's the point? Like, yeah. why not start now? And get the ball rolling. We always talk about compounding interest. Yeah. Well, how about compound giving, mm. right? And so I think it hit me in, I know it hit me. It hit me in 2021, middle of the year, and I started being more conscious about it and uh, started giving a lot more in 2021. And I just want to make it a habit in 2022. It. I love it. Yeah. And that's the beauty. Again, you've decided to join GoBundance. That's great. But the accountability you get from like me with my accountability pot, some of the things that yeah. uh, that I've been able to do just simply because somebody else is kind of keeping an eye yeah. on me, right? It's nothing yeah. epic. It's nothing huge. It's not like, you know. It's simple, right? It's, it's simple. like No one's holding my head over a flame saying, do it or I'll burn you. It's well, not like that. It's just, you know. Yeah. And, and you think about it and you're like, well, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, maybe you do. Yeah. Are you sure you don't need that? Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, if you're just showing up for high achievers, like if you're in a group of, of other guys that are high achieving and then you tell them you're going to do something yeah. and you got to show up again and say you didn't do it, there's accountability in that, self-accountability yeah. in that. Like I got to tell these guys, I got to admit to them that I didn't follow through on my word. Yeah. That hurts. So right. yeah, that's amazing, man. I love uh, I love that you got a chance to do the one sheet and you got a chance to really yeah. dive into yeah. some of the stuff that we do here. So Yeah, it was great. I mean, I showed up here as a guest. It's been amazing and, um, you know, leaving here as a, as a member, but it was great to have um, uh, the guy who invited me here. He shared the one sheet for me, and I was yeah. like, all right, well, let's dive in. Very you know. cool. Very cool. Uh, let's end this on a GoBundance card game question, then we'll learn a little bit more about how we can find uh, find you. So this is the two of diamonds. It's irrelevant. Okay. Uh, what is something that is really popular now, but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? Oh, man. What, <laughs> what kind of question is that? It's a Pat Hyven question. I think Pat Hyven developed <laughs> these questions. So. <laughs> uh, mullets, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know that's a good one. People a good are one. loving their mullets. I'm a ho- we're in a hockey state, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. People, people, all the kids have mullets. No, I don't know. Uh, I, I hope that what will be people will be laughing at is uh, the way some of these younger kids dress and I'm pointing out to my, like my nephew I watch him like walk in and he's got these weird sweatpants that are up here and he's yeah. got his t- socks tucked into him and he's wearing like a pink sweater that's all fluffy and yeah. a beanie and stuff like that I'm like Wow. All right. You know, whatever. That'll but, be it. You know, That'll be it. Maybe he'll start wearing a suit and ties. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, I think it's the, the, the 
but, you know, I hope it's not baldness. That's yeah, one thing. Right. A lot of guys are doing the whole bald thing, me included. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's that do where guys shave up the sides, but leave the long, Ooh, the top really long, and then comb that's, it over. That's right? it's like that old yeah. 20s. The German ladies do. love it though. They do right now. Yeah, but yeah. I think at some point it's gonna, it's gonna. Five years from now, we'll look back and like, look at you. Look yeah. how bad you look. Look at how bad you look. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people learn more about you, Todd? Uh, yeah. I, you know, they can come onto my website, uh, websites, venturedproperties.com. And, and from there, they can, you know, connect with me, learn more about me. Um, I'll give them my email address, too. It's sure. just Todd at venturedproperties.com. It's a v, uh, venture and then D as in dog, properties.com. Uh, and I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn sure. and a little bit on Facebook. And how about the uh, the podcast? Yeah, the podcast is called Pillars of Wealth Creation. Thank you for asking that, sure, by the way. Sure. Uh, Pillars of Wealth Creation and uh, PillarsofWealthCreation.com or you know iTunes and wherever they listen to this. Makes right? sense. So. Before I let you go, do you have uh, do you have defined pillars or are you seeking them in the podcast? You know, I my pillars are always kind of changing, right? So um, I, that's one question I always ask everybody is what are your three pillars mm. of wealth creation? So Jamie, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Boy, I think it's community. Yeah. I think it's Love giving it. and Love I it. think it's, uh, it's, uh, authenticity. So Ooh. I think those three pieces those are for amazing. me, I've learned a lot about. Amazing, yeah, absolutely. Man. I love it. <laughs> Look at that. You just had a, you can record this and put it on your podcast. now. We just did a, <laughs> a, a, a co-podcast. Interview, right. So right. appreciate you being here, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. <laughs>